I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to another Old Testament prophecy. This is the second week, as we mentioned in Advent. We're talking about four Old Testament prophecies in the four weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. And this time, we're still in the book of Isaiah, but we're making progress. We're in the 40th chapter. And I'm going to invite you to uh, read along uh, the words on the screen or in your Bibles. These words of Isaiah to you and I as God's people. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. For every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. Though the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, hear is your God. See the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. It begins softly, as if it's coming from a long, long way off, across miles, across centuries, across cultures. First, we hear the tenor's voice, Isaiah's voice, God's voice, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Every person whose heart is not made of stone, everyone whose ears can still hear, straightens a bit in their seat. Strange peace begins to settle over those who are listening. And the heart whispers to the soul, this, this is for us. One can easily be carried away by the words and the music that accompanies Handel's Messiah, many have been moved to tears. We all need comfort. The losses have been many and the pain has been deep. We're tired, frazzled by the pace and the burdens of daily life. 
We long to hold our, to be told our struggles are over, to be reminded that our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, that we are loved and we are not alone, but we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Israel was certainly longing for a word of peace-centered encouragement. They had just been through a major war, and they had lost. They had lost their homes and their vocations and their freedom and their hope and even their homeland. The Assyrians had crushed their glory and stomped on their pride, stomped on it into the ashes of the Babylonian captivity. Lord Byron described it this way. The Assyrians came down like a wolf on the fold. His cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold. And the sheen of their spears was like the stars of the sea when the blue wave rolls nightly over deep Galilee. In Babylon, the slave drivers had literally whipped them into productivity. They had been strong-armed from worshiping their god, Yahweh, in the familiar ways. They had been forced into prison camps. There had been no comfort among the Israelites. There was no peace in their lives. Then a new king, Cyrus, king of Persia, took control of the Assyrians. Cyrus was quick to promise the Israelites that they would now be released from their captivity and be able to Go home to Jerusalem. Instantly, hope had been replanted. Suddenly, the heart of every Israelite beat between, I'll believe it when I see it, and I just can't wait. In prophet talk, this is called waiting for the consolation of Israel. You see, Israel's deep-seated hope was that God would come And he would set everything back in order, make it right in this world. They long for, they hope for no more deceit, no more sin, no more broken families, no more violence. They hope for no more fighting and no more killing in the Middle East by people who do it just because they can. They long for no more hostility, no more abuse, no more injustice among the nations, especially theirs in their homes and on their streets and even in their schools and in their churches. Their prayer 2,700 years ago looks remarkably like our prayer, our prayers here even today. It is the waiting. It is the longing to know that things could be better than they are And they ought to be better than they are. And wondering where in the world God is in all of this and why he hasn't intervened. And it's so hard day by day. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is now ended and her iniquity is pardoned. As the word of their impending release from captivity spread through the Jewish community, you can imagine both the celebration and the tears. The promise is here. 
The hope has returned. Even though the reality is still some distance off. It happened to a man named Simeon as well. A man we meet in Luke chapter 2. You see, day after day, Simeon, he would make the journey to the temple. He would walk into the temple and he would look up and he would say, God, is today the day? And God would look at Simeon and say, no, Simeon, today is not the day. Not yet. So Simeon would go home. The next day he would go back to the temple. He would go in and he would say, God, is, is today the day? And God would say, no, Simeon, today is not the day. Day after day. The days turned into weeks, the weeks into months, and the months into years, and the years into a lifetime. Day after day, into the temple. God, is today the day? And God would say, no, today is not the day. Meanwhile, the world is getting messier and messier. It, in fact, was a veritable disaster. Discouragement kept knocking on the door. And then one day, Simeon went to the temple. He said, God, is today the day? And God said, yes, today is the day, Simeon. Today, hope has been born. Today, peace has returned. Today, a child has been born. Yes, Simeon, today is the day. Many of us have been there. Father, is today, is today the day we can finally find out that we can actually, we're actually going to have a baby? Father, is today the day that, that my cancer is actually going to go into remission? Father, is today the day when dad finally stops drinking and kidding mom? Father, is today the day I get that long-awaited promotion? The promised raise actually comes. The acceptance letter is in the mail. The approval is there. Father, is today the day our son or our daughter comes to acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord? Father, is, is today the day? How we long for the Father to answer that and say, yes, child, today is the day. Hope has been reborn. The child is here. In one sense, nothing had changed. You see, in Simeon's day, Rome was still in charge. Injustice was still rampant. Violence was everywhere. The poor were still suffering. The widows were still being forgotten. Orphans were still marginalized. The world was still a disaster. Nothing had changed, and yet... Everything had changed. There was this child. There was this tiny, helpless babe in the arms of Simeon. This helpless infant 
who instantly turned the not yet into the now. This baby is a life changer. This child is a world changer. This baby brings peace and promise. This baby changes everything. Our text this morning, Isaiah 40, the first 11 verses, is God's instruction to the prophet Isaiah and to all other prophets as well. You see, the opening strophe sets the tone for the next 26 chapters of Isaiah. It affirms that whatever lies ahead for God's people, God's ultimate purpose is not captivity, but freedom. It is not poverty, but abundance. It is not destruction, but redemption. It is not death, but life. These two verses, they offer a, a warm and affectionate note, offering us the assurance that all is now paid. All has been forgiven all is about to be restored. Those who speak God's word to God's people are to say, comfort. Prophets and preachers are to bring good news to God's world. Comfort. Comfort is a difficult word to define. Most people today would define comfort as that, as that homey, cozy, common word. For most people, it means well-being, a, a sense of ease, security, relaxation, contentment, quiet and calm, a silent night. But biblical comfort is not about peace and quiet. It's not about being comfortable. You see, comfort, literally breaking it up, calm means with, and fort means strength. So with strength is the sense of having that strength to be able to endure whatever comes, us, comes our way during the day. It's not a reference to having all things comfortable or wonderful or being anxiety-free. It's the word used in Psalm 23.4, well-known psalm. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the last I was aware of a rod and a staff, those are not tools of comfort. In Isaiah 66, verse 13, in one of the feminine ascriptions to God, we read, as one whom his mother comforts, so I, says the Lord, will comfort you. You see, the understanding is there that whatever the problems have been, whatever the troubles are there today, or whatever challenges await us in the future, God will eventually bring us, lead us to a brighter day. Biblical comfort is the sense that our troubled hearts will be encouraged by the promise of that bright day ahead. It doesn't suggest recliners or deck chairs. Comfort is the presence of strength and hope and confidence in the midst of a distressed and distressing world. These are the words spoken to my people by my God. This is an intimate word. These are the words of a loving father to his weary children, to his discomforted children. You see, the frost has broken. 
Whatever breaches of covenant this people may have committed, whatever grievous punishments they may have endured, those are in the past. They're behind us. A new future awaits. Comfort is the word of compassion one speaks to someone who is grieving the death of a close family member. It's still a mess. It's still a loss. It still hurts. But the word is, I'm here. And we'll walk through this valley together. God invites his prophet and all prophets to speak tenderly to the people of Jerusalem, that it might speak to their heart and also to their soul. Isaiah, God says, speak on my behalf to those who are hurting. Let your words be like the balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. And proclaim to her that her hard service, her warfare, is finished, it's completed. To the people of Judah, this means the end of their captivity. Their punishment has been satisfied. It's finished, it's over, it's behind them, it's done. The cup of God's judgment has passed over them. It's been fully poured out. Their sins have been attained and atoned for. Her sin has been paid for. Her iniquity has been pardoned, God says. You see, the punishment of the Babylonian exile was enough to satisfy the demands of divine justice. And now returning to Jerusalem, the Judean exiles came with a, with a conscience that had been cleansed through God's judgment and then through God's restoration. Tell the people, God says to the prophet, they have received from the Lord's hand double from all their sins. Now, please understand, that's poetry. This isn't suggesting that God has been unfair, and instead of giving them their just due, he gave them twice as much as they were due. No, they didn't, they weren't promised 40 lashes and get 80. This is simply saying, no matter how severely you think the Lord has dealt with you, be comforted. Because his grace, his forgiveness, and his restoration will bring you home. And that is always greater than any judgment you might have received or endured. You see, the people living under divine judgment in a foreign land, they heard these words to Isaiah as great news, as the best news, as gospel news. And their heart whispered to their soul, this is for me. This is for you. This is for us. <laughs> I doubt the news of Jesus' birth triggered a similar response of overdue relief that Israel so longed for. Few people at the time of Jesus' birth even realized that an amazing Spectacular event had taken place in Bethlehem. Only a few shepherds showed up. And later a few magi came to pay him homage. When Herod finally noticed, he deliberately set out to kill Jesus by the sword. <laughs> Some warm welcome. Hardly a silent night. And even then, those who knew quickly forgot 
You see, Jesus moved out of Bethlehem. He went to live among his own. And they didn't realize who he was. As a rabbi from Nazareth, only a few handful of people came alongside and followed him closely. And let's be honest, most of the time they were confused. After a mere three years of public ministry, the religious leaders were so completely misunderstanding who he was and what he was doing that they had him crucified with insurrectionists. Again, it was hardly a silent night. While the message of comfort dominated the pre-arrival of Jesus, it hardly echoed in his advent or in more subsequent events of his life. You see, to most people of Jesus' day, his, his birth was nondescript, his ministry insignificant, his death unnoticed, his resurrection disputed, his life had few silent nights. Most people found little comfort in this Jewish peasant who lived by the rule of servanthood and died by the law of sacrifice. Some peace this supposed prince of peace brought. <laughs> Nothing changed. And yet, everything had changed. In his birth, everything went from not yet to now. Those on the scene in Jesus' day missed what you and I can more clearly see today. You see, through his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, Jesus came to deliver us, his people, from sin and its consequences. A captivity even worse than the captivity the Israelites had experienced under Assyria. Everyone in our world today, at least everyone who has their head out of the sand, knows that something in this world is really out of joint. When rich and powerful men are allowed to bully and abuse women for years, when people kill others simply because of their skin color or gender or nationality, when leaders of nations brag about the shock and awe and civilian death they're bringing on another nation, when we indiscriminately abort millions of unborn children every year, when we constantly lie in the pursuit of truth and we're even willing to cheat so our children can get in a better school, something has gone off the rails. And so Isaiah reminds us that comfort comes not only as a gentle shepherd, as he talks about in the 11th verse, but it often comes from a sovereign Lord in the 10th verse. He comes not only to gather his lambs in his arms, he comes with power and a ruling arm. He not only gently leads those who come with young, he brings our just rewards with him. He comes not only to create a new heaven and a new earth, but he also comes to subject everything and everyone to judgment. The apostle Peter will write in 2 Peter, he will come to build and destroy. He will destroy heavens and earth. He will subvert everything and everyone to judgment. He comes not only to gather, but to separate. Jesus says, as a farmer separates the wheat from the chaff, so Christ will winnow his harvest, burning the chaff with fire and gathering wheat into barns. 
His rule will be marked not only by unfailing love, but by unflinching truth. The psalmist reminds us in Psalm 85, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace only to his faithful people. Perhaps it begins as a dull ache in our soul. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child a long way from home. Something is out of whack. All the world's attempts toward peace cannot cover our unrighteousness. All our foam rubber security attempts at, at peace cannot, cannot banish our inner loneliness. All of our seasonal parties can't paint over the emptiness of our heart. In fact, for many of these holidays only intensify the pain of knowing this is not how things ought to be or how they were created to be. As we grieve over the loss of those who have already been taken home or anguish over those who still don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we know that this is not how life was designed to be. And we long for more of Jesus, for more of that promised Prince of Peace, and for more of that peace that passes all our understanding. The warfare that the prophet talks about in Isaiah 40, <laughs> is it ever really finished? Will it ever be done? Does our struggle with temptations and sin and guilt, can we ever put those behind us? Does our worry over bills and taxes and income and, and personal security ever go away? Are the frustrations we experience in our marriages and our family with our kids and our parents or at church ever be resolved? Will our anxiety over sickness and depression and pandemics or even death ever be over? Our reality says, yeah, it doesn't seem to end. It seems to get worse. The peace and quiet never seem to fully arrive. We've never been able to experience a silent night. That's precisely the kind of world that Jesus entered. That's precisely the kind of world his spirit continues to engage daily. That's the one when Christ returns, he's going to return to, but he's coming back to set everything right. He promised. You see, the reason people didn't recognize Jesus in his day was that they expected this, this wonderful military deliverer who would outduel the spears of the Romans and bring political peace. Jesus didn't come for that. It's not his mission. He came to be one of us. He came to take up residence with us and to give us hope. And that's how he still comes. Not merely as a powerful force from without, but as a powerful presence bringing renewal from within. He came to get under our skin, to get into our heart, to get beneath our burdens, to get over our hurts, to get alongside our loneliness. And so his word to Isaiah still resonates with us today. Be comforted, my people. Let me speak tenderly to your hearts. Your war with Satan, your war with sin, it's over. 
Jesus has secured the victory through his death and through his resurrection. If you have confessed your sins and your failures to God, you have been pardoned, covered, paid for, satisfied, and atoned. If you've endured pain and suffering, remember that God's healing grace is greater than double your pain. In the midst of your discouragement and depression or your anxiety or your fears, perhaps your confusion or your anger, know that the Son of God has come and he stands by your side and he simply whispers into your ear, comfort, comfort. It will be okay. Christ is born. His presence changes everything. This comfort is not the peace and quiet that just lifts us up out of this world of noise and war and pain and rejection. God is not going to do that for us, at least not right now. This is the peace and comfort that reminds us that God has not forgotten us, and he never will. This is the peace that assures us that there are better days, that there are brighter days, very close ahead. This is the peace that surpasses our understanding because in the middle of all this garbage and heartaches in our world, Jesus came. He was born of a child, as a child. And today he stands in our world as a crucified Lord and Savior. He will bear the scars of this, our messy world. So in one sense, nothing has changed. In another sense, everything has changed. All because of this little child that Simeon held in his arms. You see, the truth is, there are no silent nights. Just open your windows. The arguments of the family next door, the gunshots from down our street, the wars and the sex scandals that dominate our news, and yet the nights that you and I can acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord can be peaceful ones with restful sleep. God says, comfort, peace. I have taken your captivity on myself. I have overcome. I will be with you. And everyone whose soul is able to hear falls down in worship and their heart whispers to their soul, this is for me. This is for you. This is for us. Isaiah wants you to know this morning that the comfort he promised is as certain to you and to me today as it was for those Judean captives on their way home from Babylon. Just as sure. Comfort to you. Comfort because in Jesus Christ, our forgiveness is assured. Our victory is guaranteed. Our peace is real and it's eternal. Comfort because our Redeemer lives. So enjoy the tenor and the orchestra 
and the piccolo trumpet. But don't wait. Because today is the day. Open your heart and receive the peace that God has promised. Make sure this is for you. Let's pray together. Father, in the midst of our messy world and our noisy nights, we long for your comfort, your peace, and your presence. While on the surface to most of us, Lord, it appears that little has changed, but we know deep in our soul that everything has changed because of Jesus. He is our sovereign shepherd, and we are gathered and held in his powerful arms. So, Lord, as we wait, we long for the day when we will be home with you forever. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.